Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on where it is you're listening. This is Dan Turchin, host of AI and the Future of Work, here today in this most peculiar of times, sharing thoughts on the pandemic and reintroducing you to one of my favorite leaders. It's April 19th, 2020, day 35 of our county's official shelter-in-place order. It's day 85 since the first case of COVID-19 was detected in California. 1,050 deaths have been reported in our state alone, and 29,398 positive cases have been reported. Nationally, 39,201 deaths have been attributed to COVID-19, or about a quarter of the world's 163,134 coronavirus-related deaths. Every life is precious. It's not just a large growing number. Every one of those lives is a son or daughter, father or mother, brother or sister, friend or colleague. There's just no way to comprehend the human toll. And there's no way to put into perspective what might happen or how the death toll may continue to rise. Yet reflecting on what we do know, and specifically developments over the past week, is cause for optimism. This week, our kids started distance learning, which restored just enough weekday structure to make us all realize quarantine life isn't permanent. And we love math and social studies almost as much as we love making slime. My wife, Julie, teaches high school and is preparing her students for remote AP testing in a few weeks, which is sure to be a unique exercise. Grocery store shelves aren't nearly as bare and supply chains are recovering from the initial demand shock. The lines aren't as long, and that feeling of being a vigilante when I take a walk outside or buy eggs is gradually subsiding. Face masks are the new hoodie, a staple of life now that had a different meaning before. We're adapting, we're learning, we're doing what we always do, staying positive. Here's a cure for your funk. Listen to Reed Hoffman's Masters of Scale interview with Stacey Brown Philpot, TaskRabbit CEO, hosted by Bob Safian. It should be required listening for everyone in the tech community looking for post-pandemic patterns that blend philanthropy and capitalism. It's about how a team came together to turn remote workers assembling furniture and doing household chores into a team of frontline delivery saviors, doing what the company calls tasks for good. I encourage you to listen. There's a link in the show notes. We've shifted from a time when we were scared for our lives and our physical health to a time when we were confused, to a time when we were lonely, to a time now when we're hopeful. In the spirit of hope about what comes next, I'm resharing an episode we originally recorded last August with my friend, mentor, and former colleague, Craig Pratt about lessons for next-level leaders. In it, we discuss timeless lessons for stepping up when others are down. Craig shares what has worked for him since humble beginnings as a golf caddy. He's an amazing leader. Nobody can fully understand or appreciate what you're going through right now or quite how you're feeling. Wherever you are emotionally, I hope this discussion with Craig provides a ray of light. Be strong. We're in this together. 
following audio discussion is episode four of Astound's podcast series, AI and the Future of Work. This episode, entitled Lessons for Leaders in the Era of AI, features host Dan Turchin, co-founder and chief product officer at Astound, and guest Craig Pratt, vice president of worldwide sales initiatives at ServiceNow. Hello, and welcome to another episode of AI and the Future of Work. Uh, I'm your host, Dan Turchin, one of the co-founders of Astound, an AI platform for employee service. And uh, I've been looking forward to recording this uh, this discussion for weeks. Uh, I'm joined by uh, one of my friends, former colleagues, uh, one of my role models, uh, Craig Pratt, uh, who uh, can, can start by introducing himself. Uh, and then we'll get into the discussion right away. Craig, tell us a little bit about, about your, uh, your background. Well, Dan, it, it's a real pleasure to be here. And uh, I'm honored and flattered that I would be in that category of a role model. But uh, I've clearly enjoyed our relationship from the first time we met uh, in the fall of 2011, which you know, seems like, you know, light years ago. Um, what do you want to know about me? The knocking on the door of 50. Been in the high tech space for 25 years. Uh, been blessed beyond my wildest dreams. Uh, forever grateful for everybody who's you know pulled me up the ladder along the way. I got a great family, a great wife, three kids, blue collar kid that grew up in Detroit, Michigan, and then spent the other half of his childhood in uh, uh, Detroit, Michigan, uh, and uh, in Sarasota, Florida, and then. Got my big break in high tech in 1994 at a company called Compure. That's a short story. So, Craig, we've been uh, in the trenches together a lot. And I remember early memory when you and I first met. We were meeting some customers in Minneapolis. And the thing that stuck out to me is that uh, you cared. You got a big heart. And you were always there thinking about what was best for the customer. And not just that, our, you know, our key contacts at the customer. Um, that was, you know, refreshing and unusual and, and uh, learned a lot from that. Talk to us about, talk, talk to us about your philosophy on leadership. Um, yeah, you know, that's, that's it. <laughs> that feels like a, you know, three week conversation, but I'll, I'll try to distill it down to, you know, a minute or two. I, I think leadership is, is, is something that you, you practice every day and some days you do it better than others. I think you're constantly trying to figure out what leadership means to you. Um, but the short story to, of it is, and then I still give credit to Zig Ziglar, right? Help, help people get what they want in life and you'll probably get what you want in life. And, um, and I, and I believe in that and I have always believed in that. And so if you just start by helping others first, you know, karma has got a great way of, you know, making its way back to you. Yeah. Well, well said. Um, you and I are both big Zig Ziglar fans. Um, so we, uh, yeah, just a good year. Yeah, that's right. Unapologetically. Uh, so you and I both spent some, some good years at, uh, at, at ServiceNow. Um, and when you think about kind of the next generation of leaders, whether it's in high tech or other fields, um, what would you say are the one or two lessons that you, you pull out of, um, a great ride that you've had at ServiceNow to teach young leaders? Well, I think, you know, feedback is the breakfast of champions and, you know, failures 
you know, only come from your courage to be in the arena, compete, and uh, potentially make mistakes. So that's just a fact of life. And, and the, the more you embrace that, I think the further you you will go. And and you won't let your failures you know, paralyze you. Um, and I and I've seen people do that. I think I think we've put a spotlight on leadership even more so in the last eight to ten years through social media. Um, you know, TED Talks. You know, I, I've been a big reader of books for a long time. And so, uh, yeah, I think the best way to, you know, tune in your leadership to who you are is, is, is just to learn from others. And, you know, the mistakes I, I, I would say I've made in my career was not being coachable enough soon, soon enough in my career because I believed it was just about performance and delivering the numbers. And we see that a lot in high tech where you take a high performing sales rep, you really don't invest in their leadership skills and then you ask them to lead a team. And, you know, I had that opportunity in the early 2000s and I like to tell everybody I'm in the Hall of Fame all by myself and probably be in the world's worst first time leader. But it was from that failure that allowed me to come back and hone my skills and get better at my second opportunity, my third opportunity, my fourth opportunity, and you know, and, and, and forward. I think the other the, the other lesson that I, that I don't think I failed on was um, back to gratitude and being grateful. And uh, every year I write a a note to what will now be, I think, the 26th year I've been in this business. To the 26 people who've had the biggest impact on on me and my career. And those are peers, those are customers, those are partners, those are bosses, those are people who, you know, fired me, hired me, I've, I've partnered with you know, founders of companies and uh, it's an eclectic group. And so I'm just a big believer in, in gratitude. Is there handwritten letters to, to these people each year? Yeah. You know, what I do is I kind of, I have a stock form letter, you know, kind of going through, um, you know, what's evolved and, and my gratefulness to them. And then in each letter, you know, I write a paragraph handwritten specifically to them. It's amazing. When you think about uh, how you've been a mentor to young leaders and people on your teams over the years, um, I know for, you know for both of us, it's a kind of a mark of a leader to be able to recognize growth areas in, in our teams. Tell me through an example of how, how you've you know, taken someone maybe who's early in their career and helped them um, identify growth areas. You cut out a little bit there, but I, I think I know the, the question, you know, how did I help? you know, invest in others and help them see the opportunities for growth in their career, personally yeah. and professionally. And I think, I think they go hand in hand because I've always said, you know, you have to have a great, you know, personal life to have a great professional life and, and vice versa. So I tend to ask people just how far they think they want to go in their career and what investments they want to make in themselves. And that'll dictate how much time I spend with them. And then I do something that we affectionately call as gym sessions because you think about in, in our personal life, you know, those who love to exercise and work out, they'll go pay a personal trainer you know, a lot of money to um, uh, create pain for them, right? Stretch some muscles they didn't know that they have. But in their professional life, they may not necessarily, you know, pay a trainer. So you know, I'm willing to play that role for those who want to get in the gym. And I learn a lot through the process about myself and, and what I'm good at and what I'm not good at. And hopefully, you know, the person on the other end of that session and that relationship 
has stretched themselves as well. And, uh, and then that really shows up, you know, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight years later, when you get a call, you get a text, you get a email, right. You get, you know, wine in the mail, uh, whatever it is, just getting a great big thanks from them of how you help them see something in themselves. They didn't think they had. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, you know, like that, most of our listeners are in or around the world of high tech. Um, talk to us about uh, how technology has inspired you or changed your life or how you ended up in this uh, in this racket. You know, I, I stumbled into this racket. I was in the golf business. I was an assistant golf pro in 1994 at a country club in Detroit, Michigan called Orchard Lake Country Club. And we just happened to have, you know, some of the best uh, executives around town who are members. And in that summer, in that year playing with them, they all thought I should have a career outside of golf. And I'm thankful that they uh, saw that opportunity for me. And so I had the uh, fortunate circumstance of landing in high tech in 1994 at a company called CompuWare. And so I went into the ADR program that you were supposed to be in for a rough and tough two years and knock on wood. uh, State school kid got out in nine months and they shipped me to Minneapolis, Minnesota. And I went to a territory where two reps in a 12 month period said there was no money. And for the next three years, I was fortunate enough to be in the top 10 of the uh, reps worldwide. And I, I affectionately call the first house that I ever built the house that Philo had built. And, um, and I saw the impact of technology from a mainframe development perspective and the productivity tools that we delivered to the end users. And now when you fast forward that to today, Dan, 25 years later, when you look at iOS apps, um, you look at travel apps, you look at Waze, you look at Yelp, you look at Uber. Um, technology is at every intersection of our personal life and our professional life. And I think that's it's created greater experiences. I think it's it's solved business issues. It's solved social issues. Uh, medicine's a big benefactor of it. You can move money around the world a lot faster. I personally just got my finally got my Venmo account because my 15 year old told me, Dad, I had to get with the times. So you know, I think technology is a great gift. And and then you can even rewind that all the way back to. Um, you know, the early automotive days with, with Henry Ford and the Model T and the Model A. So big fan of technology and what it can do for humanity. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we both have kids and we, we would both say that we probably learn, learn more from them than we could possibly teach them. With regard to technology, um, do you feel like it, it, it isolates us from kind of the next generation or does it bring us together? You know, I always look for the good in everything, or at least I try to. Uh, there, there's some days I, I find myself maybe not doing that, and then I, I wake myself up again. But I look for the good, and I look for you know, the connectivity you see in LinkedIn. I see the connectivity you see in Facebook celebrating you know, people's good times and then you know, being there to encourage them in, in tough times. I see things like GoFundMe, being able to make a contribution to people that you don't know um, who's, who's had a rough go of of things and, and because you can make a $50 donation in three clicks. Uh, I see, you know, consuming content more because I'm a big fan of knowledge is power. And, you know, I tried, you know, in, in a legacy world, tried to read a book a week from a physical perspective, but I find myself reading even more now because of the capabilities on an iPhone or a tablet. So I, I think it's done tremendous work. You look at apps like Live 360 if your, if your kids have phones and you want to make sure that they're safe. 
Um, you know, I look at you and I travel a lot, right? So just the, the beauty of the Delta app for me, you know, is the plane on time? Where am I sitting? Um, you know, all that stuff, even to parking yeah. in Minneapolis now where that, where that application's just on your phone, you're not out, you know, pulling coins out of your pocket, right? You're just plugging in your license plate and, and paying online. So I think family wise, personal, professional, I think it brings us closer together personally. I couldn't agree more. I, I love the GoFundMe example. That's such a, such a good example of a, you know, way, way for people to give back in, in, a, in a nice frictionless way that just wasn't possible in a, in a, in a world, you know, uh, before apps. Um, you and I are both avid, avid readers of books. I'm always curious to get, uh, get, uh, get, get take from, from, uh, from my guest. Your favorite book and why? You know, I, I, I get that question quite a bit because because people know I read a lot, and I I'm not going to say what my my favorite book is. What I will tell you is three that are at the top of my list, and for different reasons. Um, the first one is a book that was, that was given to me by a friend, Nick Hernandez, uh, a guy who's mentored me. Actually, happens to share our same birthday. One of the 25 guys I or 26 guys or gals I write a letter to. And he referenced a book called Tattoos in the Heart by Father Gregory Boyle. And Father Gregory Boyle was um, preaching in the Dolores Mission Church in the in the poorest parts of L.A. And he's a Jesuit by training. And he helped create Homeboy Industries. And there's a great quote in, in Father Greg's book where he says, you know, we work with a population that nobody desires to work with at its principle of this place that we stand with them. And so that just speaks to me because it's easy to hang with your peer group. It's another thing to go out and work with those, you know, who need it the most. And so if you get a chance to read that book, I think it'll change your life. like it changed mine. My second, you know, book on that list would be Bob Buford halftime. And you know, I repeat, repeat the name of the first book. I want to make sure all the listeners hear it. Yeah. Tattoos on the heart by father Gregory Boyle. Okay, the second book is Halftime by Bob Buford. And this is really a story about being in your career, about the halftime, 40 to 50 years old. And, you know, you move from success to significance. And, you know, Bob in this book explains his passion is to multiply all that God has given him and in the process, give it back. And, you know, to whom much is given, much is expected. And there's some great life lessons in that book from Bob. And again, the name of that book is Halftime. And you know, last but not least is a book that was given to me by my boss, uh, Mr. Kevin Haverty, uh, VP of Worldwide Sales Here at Service Now is yeah. Quench Your Own Thirst. And that's a book by Jim Koch, who is the founder and brewer of Samuel Adams. And he, and he took on what we would refer to as the uh, beverage cartel, Anheuser-Busch, Miller Lite, you know, Coors, et cetera. And he talks about business lessons learned over a beer or two. and and Creating the American craft beer revolution and what it takes to do that as an entrepreneur, pretty amazing. Pretty amazing book. Classic David and Goliath. Good one from a good Bostonian, Mr. Haverty. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Craig, good, good, uh, good, good picks. Uh, biggest mistake you've made in your life that you, uh, that, that you care to share with the listeners? Man, I, I, you know, <laughs> I think it's like my iTunes playlist. I probably have ten thousand of them. But uh, <laughs> you know, if if I if I had to pick one out, you know, that, that really stood out for me 
you know, I'll rewind it all the way back to, uh, you know, to my high school years, right? But academically, not probably applying myself to the extent that I could have. Now, I do have this belief, and it's only my belief, nobody else's, that the world's run by C students. But I do mm-hmm. think academically, I could have given more in, in if I would have had that level of discipline. And I think I have decent discipline. What I had more discipline in my life and in my career than in what I have today. And I'm not saying my life would have been better or worse. But, you know, that, that clearly feels like a, a missed opportunity because that, that may have changed my, my trajectory from an academic perspective, uh, at different colleges and different choices of colleges. But I'll yeah. say I'm very happy with my life and, um, I'm happy that I get to make the mistakes that I get to make on a regular basis and, and recover from them and, and rebound from them. I love it. We've got time for one more question. I wish, I uh, wish we could do, do this all, all afternoon. But uh, I want to know the uh, the advice that you give to uh, to a fresh faced Craig Pratt right out of college. You know, it's something I've actually started doing myself. I've actually I coined this phrase called "next level leader." As you know, Dan, I have my own podcast now called "Next Level Leader," and we, you talked earlier about what we learn from kids and, and hopefully what our kids learn from us. But I, I think young adults, and specifically those. 13 to 18 um, tend to listen to other voices than their parents. And so that may be a coach, that may be a teacher, that may be a coworker, um, that may be a neighbor, you name it, right? Somebody they admire, they look up to, and it's not as close to them personally. And so what I try to coach young future leaders on, you know, 13 to 30 is, your network will influence your net worth. It, it's really that simple. So the more exposure you can get and learn from leaders about their life path, because it's never a straight path. It's it's a zig, it's a zag, it's a zig, it's a zag. Fred Luddy's a great example. Um, yeah. You know, learn about their story, learn about their path, learn about their mistakes, learn about their highs, learn about their lows. And when you do that, you're going to hyper accelerate your personal development in, in your professional development and doors will open for you that you didn't even know were potentially open. And, and, and I'm a great example of that, uh, you know, I, I was fired a couple of times in my, in my youthful years that led me down a path and, and, and learned some lessons that, you know, led me into the golf industry. And, and from that, you know, my access into the tech industry came from, that job at Orchard Lake Country Club. And, and, uh, if I wasn't there, I probably wouldn't be in high tech today. And that was all because I had developed the network. I had access and, and they saw something to me that I maybe didn't see in myself and, you know, put me in a position that maybe I wasn't quite ready for, but they knew that nobody was going to outwork me. I love it. Wisdom. So, um, I'm going to have my kids start listening to next level leaders. This is your chance to plug it. So where can our listeners find uh, find find more of a crack waxing philosophical? Yeah, next level leader. It's on iTunes. Um, we've just completed our our fourth episode. We'll probably record another twenty over the next two and a half months. And we have a very eclectic group of what I call ordinary people doing extraordinary things. It's it's going to be presidents of college. It's going to be um, a singer who was in you know Prince's entourage back in the day. It'll be 
mm-hmm. you know, CEO of a company. It'll be three young men who just rode on a bike in fifth grade who raise money for human trafficking. So I'm really excited about the diversity of our of our listeners and then diversity of our guests on the on the podcast. So, you know, we'd love to have everybody join in, write us, give us your feedback. And if you have suggestions for future uh, guests to come on and share their story, we'd love to hear it. Good. All, all of our listeners strongly encourage you to get, get your dose, get your dose of Pratt on the podcast. Uh, Craig, I'm always inspired talking to you. This has been great. Um, we'll have to uh, make this one in the series, but uh, just, just excellent hanging out with you. Thanks for the chat. Hey, Dan, thanks for chatting. I hope to see you cutting through Minneapolis sooner than later. You bet. Sooner the better. And that concludes another episode of AI in the Future of Work. Uh, thanks again to uh, special guest Craig Pratt. Thanks all for joining. Thanks.